Welcome to Meet and Greet, a podcast discussing a broad range of issues affecting the meat industry today. Brought to you by meetbusinesswomen.org. Presented by Laura Ryan. Hello and welcome to Meet and Greet. I'm Laura Ryan and today we're speaking to Fiona and Katie from Catalyst Collective. Delighted to be speaking to you both today. Tell us a little bit of background about how the business formed. Hi Laura, lovely to be here. Great, thank you for your welcome. So we create transformational resources for women leaders and leaders who want to both progress their own careers but also are looking to shift the dial on diversity and inclusion inside their business and we do that through face-to-face and online programs, we run webinars, we also do consultancy and coaching and then a whole load of free practical resources available to people so that they can use them in their own workplace. So give us a bit of background about how you guys formed and came together. So Katie and I have been doing this type of work for many years and, and we've known each other for a number of years and we, we kind of circled each other. Uh, and we were both at a point around three years ago where we were working long haul, we were working internationally, we were away from home probably more than we were at home. And we were at this, we were at this fascinating crunch point where we both wanted to make more impact with our work and also create a more balanced life that resourced us to do great work. Mm. And initially we got together, we started having conversations, and initially we thought we would just write some blogs together. And very quickly it became clear that we had something to offer the world, and that's when we set up Catalyst Collective. Fantastic. And that was a a really brave step, I'm guessing. And one of the the things that I've been reading recently is your report on the gender pay gap. Um, Tell us a little bit about um, why that matters and why that's really been a a focus to the Catalyst Collective. Mm. So, Laura, put really simply, talent doesn't differentiate between men and women. And the gender um, pay gap that we have in the UK and indeed in other countries in the world is a a symptom of a world where men hold more senior positions and more well-paying roles. And the outcome of that is that businesses are missing out on loads of female talent. And in many sectors in the world at the moment, and in the UK at the moment, and I think probably in your industry as well at the moment, trading conditions are really challenging. And we need the breadth of creativity, of expertise and perspectives and experiences. We need everything we can kind of pull in to, to get businesses to be successful. And so senior teams are made up entirely of white middle-aged men are simply not good for business. And interesting, and it's great that you pull out the point there about, about the meat industry in particular, because that, that's where a lot of our listeners will be from. The, the key benefits of having a gender-balanced um, organisation can sometimes be challenging to, to convey to the sector. Uh, is there any other key points that you'd like to pull out at that point? Uh, Maybe something else you've seen in other industries? So if you, if you look at the consumer balance in the UK and you look at who's doing the buying, um, the likelihood is that as a minimum, um, the meat industry's um, end customers as a minimum are gender balanced. And when we have gender balanced leadership teams, we bring, um, we bring men and women's perspectives into the work that's happening. So that means men and women's perspectives go into product development, they come into advertising campaigns, they come into how the business is being run. So there's a point for me around the value that comes from different perspectives. And we also know that um, businesses that have got gender balanced teams um, thrive through challenging economic conditions in a more sustainable way 
than um, businesses that haven't got gender balance teams. It's kind of that straightforward. Yeah, it's good for business. <laughs> That's a great way of summarising it. Mm. And tell me, what are your thoughts on um, building a pipeline of uh, female balanced talent through an organisation as opposed to having um, a balanced uh, board in terms of gender makeup? Can we just parachute some females onto a board and, and make it make better financial gains or does there need to be a pipeline? What, what are your thoughts on that? Mm, great question. So I think building on what what Fee just shared about the business case, your board absolutely does need to be on board with the business case. Um, And if your board is is a bit more representative, you are going to see some benefits around decision making, around innovation at that level. But the flip side of that is I think we would say there's no point having your senior team on board and then that not translating for the lived experiences and in the culture of all those other in all the other parts of the organization so leaders and teams at all those other levels we see women choosing to leave talent pipelines um, because they don't see themselves represented at a more senior level or perhaps those more senior roles are just not attractive for a number of reasons and increasingly see that trend so I think it's both and I think I think businesses need to be looking at how do we get a really good balance of people, a really good diversity of people at all levels of the organisation because that's where you'll really see those benefits that Fee's pointed out in terms of the business case. Fantastic, thank you. And that that really leads me on to um, trying to get that objectivity around the benefits of that balance, uh, particularly for male-dominated industries like the meat sector. How do we move beyond the emotive piece? And I know we can talk about uh, financial benefits, but if you've got any best practice that we can help sell this idea to industry I know it sounds crazy that we need to but in places we still do and um Laura it's absolutely not crazy that you feel you need to sell it and and I'd reassure you that's that's a position that many sectors and many organizations find themselves in and what we would we're learning from our work is it is it's a persistent gradual process of talking listening awareness raising and linking inclusion to the business agenda. So inclusion can't sit as a kind of add-on. Uh, it's how we bring it in, into the business agenda it's, it's, itself. And part of the reason why it gets emotive is um, because men have historically held power, equality can feel like loss. And so part of the work here is how do we ensure that when we, when we um, push for gender equality, and indeed any equality, it's not a zero-sum game, so it's not, for example, women losing at men's expense, but instead it's how do we collectively, so men and women, how do we collectively create a better working world for everybody? And in the work we're doing, we're increasingly finding men, for example, who don't want to work a um, you know, 10, 12-hour day, who want to have an equal role in parenting, feel as excluded and as unable as unable to progress in organisations as many women do. So I, I think the key to this is consistent talking, consistent linking it to the business agenda, and recognising this isn't an agenda that's, that's just about women, but this is an agenda about making a better working world for everyone. Mm. And that's where that diversity and inclusion piece comes in for us, Laura. So diversity is about about the numbers so your question about do we want to have a balance of women and men representing our different customer base and yes of course we do but it's also about what kind of culture are we creating so people choose to stay and choose to bring the best of themselves and and choose to to stay and thrive so that diversity and inclusion piece I think is really key there 
and again links back to the business case so it isn't just about let's get the numbers in let's actually see the difference that this makes in our day-to-day work we've created a guide to bias which which may really help and we're really happy to share that with your listeners and there's something there about women having biases too so we know from all the research and from our own experiences that that we're also making assumptions about other people what they can and can't do and that shapes the culture around us so how do we all get more aware of how how bias does play out and how it affects women and men um, and that actually all of women's experiences are not the same for all women so we take that intersectional approach where we say my lived experience as a white woman in the meat industry might be really different to a lived experience of someone from a different ethnic background in the meat industry, for example. So the link that you pull out there in terms of linking inclusion to the business agenda is a great one and and a brilliant way of framing it. Um, Something that springs to mind is International Women's Day and um, some of the major meat companies didn't acknowledge it. Should we be concerned or actually does that not matter as long as they're linking um, inclusion with their business agenda? Mm, great question and and we think there are probably two sides to this so does the business acknowledge other days so are there other things that they're celebrating and are they choosing not to acknowledge international women's day and that in that case that might be something to get a bit curious about and maybe it's a sign of bigger issues about not acknowledging the gender or the inclusion agenda and then perhaps there would be a bit of a concern. But there's a flip side to this as well. And we see it a lot around things like International Women's Day, where there's a real whole song and dance about it in some businesses and lots of quite obvious, visible things that are happening, but not necessarily doing that much of the work behind the scenes. And there's a sense for us that International Women's Day is sort of one point in the calendar alongside a series of other things in the year that promote equality. And we'd love organisations to be looking at all of those different aspects of what they can be doing to welcome diversity and and, and build an inclusive culture, not just celebrating IWD. Do you want to share that example? Um, Absent client. Laura, can we we share a little funny example from a client? Please. Where we we are running a programme, a a women's leadership programme in an organisation where they are having to push quite hard against a very dominant masculine culture and they have got incredibly talented women and in that organization there was a very senior leader in the organization who throughout the whole year um, engaged in blatant um, explicit sexist behavior and and consciously and vocally held women back yet on international women's day appeared with trays of pink cupcakes Oh, no. And and for me, the, the, I mean, the, 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 I won't share. To celebrate, to celebrate. <laughs> it was to celebrate International <laughs> Women's Day. I won't share some of the things that the women wanted to do with the cupcakes. But in that situation, that was an organisation where he was marking International Women's Day. But he might his behaviour through the rest of the year was so counter to it that it was actually almost offensive to market. So there's something for me around authenticity and con- and being congruent as well. Mm. Please subscribe to this podcast and follow us on LinkedIn. Search Meet Business Women. So we're talking there about authenticity and that really comes out in terms of your gender pay gap, what next report and really the tangible things businesses can be doing to to close that gap and to take, you know, real action. Where where are your key points in terms of where they can start? What should they be doing first? 
Mm, we wrote this report as a response to businesses saying to us, what can we do? We know that we've got an issue with gender pay and we're having to now report on the data. So what can we actually do about it? And also individual leaders saying to us, what can I do? So our intention with it is that it's really packed with lots of strategies and practical tips. Perhaps as a place to start, there's a there's a ten there's a ten step action plan. So there's lots in there, and as you read it, you'll see things that are like the the immediate quick wins and the the immediate low hanging fruit, and then some things which are much more about the cultural stuff that we've already referenced in this in this interview. The things about an inclusive culture and how to create that, which takes a bit of time. Although you can start immediately, it takes time to build that up. And perhaps one thing that we love to to be a bit provocative, perhaps, is to to think about what's the prevailing leadership culture inside your organization and we've perhaps already referenced in the meat industry that that can be quite male dominated in in some parts and encourage people to start creating a mental picture like if we were to ask you what does what do your senior leaders look like in your business what would they look like if you lined them all up in a photograph so gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, are they a primary, primary carer for their kids or perhaps other caring responsibilities? What's their socioeconomic status? Can they pay for help to get stuff done to make life easier? And that that builds a particular culture if, if there are particular types of, of people that fill those roles inside your business. And yeah, there's something for us about what kind of culture does that create? Who's excluded from that? Who's included with that? And this is a really good place to start. It sounds like it, it perhaps feels a bit ephemeral, but it's a really practical place to start because once you start talking about it, you start seeing how that affects every day inside an organisation. And it's a really it's a, it's the beginning of a conversation to start raising people's awareness. And what we're talking about here is, is the unconscious leadership model, like the blueprint, if you like, of leadership inside your organisation and the result that that actually then has on the working lives of men and women. So that actually, that blueprint affects who gets promoted, who gets sponsored, how much people are paid, who gets mentored, who even gets attracted to your business in the first place, and then who gets recruited when when they are in that process. And then who chooses to stay and who feels like they can bring the best of themselves to really thrive in that organisation. And all those factors underpin the pay gap. So it's a really, really good place to start with that conversation to un- unpick what it, you know, what does good leadership look like around here and how What's the prevailing model of leadership that that we perhaps are really blind to, but we're really deeply socialised around? And that's really simple when you think about it, but so powerful as well, isn't it? Mm, Yeah. So recently we've seen the latest publications of companies at gender pay reporting. Um, And when you unpick some of those, um, there's a lot of one-pages about what organisations are going to do to try and reduce that gap. How much are you seeing that organisations are putting that into action and how much of it is actually just lip service? It's a really good question. And I think think the first thing we'd like to say is people are... There's an assumption that because in some cases the figures have gone backwards that that means that it's lip service and and that's really not the case. So I think what's happened in 2019 is people have got better at recording their data and people are beginning to take action, um, which is resulting in women coming in now at lower levels in professions and organisations that traditionally weren't recruiting women. And, And that has resulted in changes in this year's data. So I think the first point we want to say is... um. Let's not assume that that, um, negative changes in the data equal lip service because they don't. 
And the second thing is there will always be a spectrum. There are businesses who will be at a compliance end of the spectrum and then there will be bus- on bus- businesses who are right through to the you know, genuinely heartfelt commitment to making a change to gender in the world end of the spectrum. And what we know is that once businesses get on this journey, if there is the right support at leadership level, um, if men and women in the organisation get behind it, um, regardless of where people start, they start moving along that spectrum of, of, of ignorance, potentially into lip service, then into awareness, then into informed action and then into best practice. That's, again, such a simple way of looking at it, but really, really powerful and and to picture it in our minds. Thank you. Thinking about what case studies you've seen for success, what what does that look like in the real world? Gosh, we've got got lots we would like to share here. Let's... um... Katie, do you, do you want to talk about some of the programmes yeah, that we do? Yeah, uh, thinking about a programme recently where we've, we've perhaps mapped that spectrum that, that Fee just talked through, so taken the organisation on a bit of a journey from, from, to be honest, paying a bit of lip service to then starting to have more diversity inside their talent pipeline and also beginning to come up through senior positions and then starting to see how that actually could be really good for business. So back to that business case that we started in this conversation with you and then shifting into a place of taking the whole organisation through deciding actually this is really important let's take the whole organisation through some deeper awareness around bias around how it plays out and then what are the things that that men and women can do at all levels so that was really exciting and then actually the, the results that they're now seeing they've just appointed women onto the board for the first time and that shift from oh we need to do this as lip service it's a token appointment into okay now we're really understanding the value that this balance is bringing and so many women coming through that pipeline having now that role model and huge the optics of that are really huge and that's been incredibly exciting to see that inside that client and is there any sectors in particular that you've you've watched that happen in so we work across sectors at the moment, so we've seen changes. That particular example was manufacturing, and we've seen changes in manufacturing companies. We've worked in retail organisations, we've worked in financial services organisations, uh, we've worked in professional services organisations. And we've worked, so the example that Katie gave is, is a really lovely example of, of, of working at a senior level um, and then cascading that down. And we also, we've had some really lovely cases of success working with HR teams, so we worked with the HR team in an industry and a sector where they just said we can't recruit women. There aren't any. There's there aren't no, any. There's, there's, no, there's no women. There's no female talent. <laughs> we can't recruit them. Mm. And we worked with them over a period of 12 months to really get under the bonnet of their recruitment processes and to work out what was going on that both the sector and the organisation that we were working with was simply not attractive to women. And when we got under the bonnet of their recruitment processes... We were able to work with them to establish that the language that they were using in their job descriptions and their job adverts was 80% masculine language, which literally means that their adverts were speaking more loudly to men. Their interview panels were often all-male panels. Um, and if there was a woman on the panel, it was an HR representative yeah. who didn't have... She was there in a in a kind of process capacity, not in a powerful capacity. We'd, we looked at the patterns of who they were sending to recruitment fairs, and it was often all men. And we did some we did some real deep dive data analysis, which is a happy place for both of us, around literally saying what colleges, so what higher education colleges and university courses are you recruiting from? And in turn, 
at what gender intake are those colleges and universities attracting and therefore are you actually going to a pool in the first place um, that is more men heavy and then finally we looked at their advertising platform so what media were they advertising on and again what was the gender of that and we also work with their recruitment partners to say, you know, where, where are you as a recruitment partner? So a headhunter firm or a recruitment firm, you know, where are you in terms of your gender thinking? And by getting under the bonnet, we were literally able to pull a set of levers which significantly changed mm. the flow of women into that business. That's fantastic to hear. Mm. And tell us what your thoughts would be for individuals listening to this uh, today and thinking, you know, I would like to make a positive change within the organisation I work for, very passionate about it, but for a feel that there could be more gender balance. Where should they start? Mm, wonderful great question and if there are things from this conversation today that's yeah that's provoking you and kind of activating you around that I guess we'd encourage you to think what's the conversation that you want to start and then who do you want to start that conversation with and then the second part of that is what's going to make it feel safe for you to have that conversation sometimes it can feel really courageous and bold to start to start calling out some of this stuff or start even beginning to have the conversation around that and we would encourage you to go have that conversation in our experience amazing things start to happen when when women take some bold steps and perhaps start talking to one another and then start finding other men who also want to be part of creating that change alongside them and that, that leads me on to the next question, really. And you've touched on it already about this being for a drive for better working, not uh, one gender losing out over another. Um, mm. But there has been significant press over the last couple of months about men feeling frustrated with the amount of female-orientated groups. And um, we feel that within Meet Business Women as well, and we want to be obviously more and more inclusive. What can we do to positively counter this? What, what would your experience be? Uh, we, we absolutely agree that, that this is not just an agenda for women. This is, an agenda, this is an agenda for creating a working world that works for everybody and in which everybody can thrive. And we have shifted our language a lot. We, we, we don't talk about women only now. We talk about women-led initiatives. And in, in the bulk of the work that we are doing, we are encouraging men and women to talk together. So gender inclusion will shift when um, men and women understand what is the bias that exists in the workplace and how do we collectively work together to remove that bias so there are, there are simple things that um, men and women can do together so start monitoring for example who is who's who gets airtime in meetings um, who is spoken over in meetings mm. whose ideas are heard in meetings whose ideas are um, ignored, who gets credit for work, who doesn't get credit for work, who's expected to pick up the office housework, for, so things like clearing up after meetings, making the teas and coffees, organising social events. And when we find when, when men, men and women start actually tuning into those little day-to-day -day things that make a difference, men can actually then start to see yes gender bias is playing out firstly so yes this is real it exists I can now begin to see it and I can now begin to play my role in changing it so I can make choices around whose voices I am here in meetings around who I let speak in meetings I can make choices around whose work is credited I can make choices around how I take to um, events like um, team meetings off-sites etc where there's networking and power opportunities so Laura, also we do want to underline the value of spaces that are women 
together and acknowledge how important those kinds of networks are so that so the network you've set up has massive value and really do want to underline that and we see that a lot in our work particularly in male-dominated industries actually we see how much women get out of mentoring one another supporting one another having opportunities to see that oh my goodness this isn't I'm not the only one experiencing this situation that that those kinds of experiences of bias or even more overt discrimination are shared and that powerful experience of being of feeling I'm not alone and then also the value of role models that that women meeting each other meeting more senior women meeting women doing inspiring things that's so powerful in male-dominated industries to see what might be possible for you and being inspired to do that for yourself so want to say yes women-led yes engaging men in the conversation and yes there is a real value to to women having space to have these conversations Thank you so much. And that that leads me really to the next point about Mm. um, we really focus on gender and and our conversation has mainly today, but you've touched on it already around ethnicity and sexual orientation. Where do we fold that into the conversation? And really, you know, two years down the track, should we be thinking about an inclusion group more so than just women led? How, How do we sort of straighten that? Yeah, I love that question. Thank you. And challenge last week from one of our clients, he's a black woman saying, oh, my business has a a BAME network and my business has a women's network. And and which one am I supposed to go to? Because I'm a black woman and that's how I show up at work. And I I love that challenge because it confronts our desire sometimes inside organisations to make these things quite siloed and quite separate. And actually in our experience, what we're finding is that when people start talking about inclusion, so back to our earlier question when we said, you know, what's one thing we can start doing? When you start having the conversations about what does good leadership look like around here? Who's it including? Who's it excluding? Actually, we, we open up the whole conversation to talk about sexual orientation, to talk about age, to talk about class and sociodemographics, to talk about ethnicity. And the conversation just gets much richer and much less binary around men and women only. So we love that you're asking that question. And in our experience, businesses can can learn so much when those conversations are what what we would call more intersectional so when there's a bit more nuance around around the discussion we know that not all women are the same not all women's lives are the same and not all women want or need the same things from the workplace so getting into some of the the nuance and the the individual lived experience experiences is really important and similarly not all men are the same men's experience will of course vary as well so love that we're asking that question yeah and laura we often find in small to medium-sized businesses that actually tackling it from an inclusion perspective is is a better use of resources than trying to look at a gender perspective and a sexuality perspective and ethnicity and perspective almost like bolt it's, it's, it, it's we, we tend to find that that approach can get quite siloed and often the core inclusive leadership behaviors um, if those can be developed in an organization it kind of then it it unblocks everything mm. in an organization so if you've got listeners who are in small and medium-sized organizations we'd be encouraging them to focus on how is it that we create an inclusive leadership culture that's brilliant insight. Thank you so much. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. Mm, and uh, um, yes. thank you. And I'm sure our listeners would like to find out more and get in touch. How are they best to do that? We'd love to connect with your listeners. Thank you for that. You can find us at Catalyst Collective Community across all the social platforms. And feel free to come and join us in our community. Sign up for our newsletter. There's lots of free resources available, which we'd love to share with you. 
Fiona, Katie, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. The Meet and Greet podcast, brought to you by meetbusinesswomen.org.